Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back into the greatest podcast in Southwest Florida. Certainly the greatest podcast that I host. It is the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am your co-host, Adam Fisher, with the Naples Daily News. Here with my compadres, my cousins, Dustin, the D-Train, Levy, Alex, the, uh, I don't know, what do we call you? The uh, Assassin Martin, I guess. That's the only A word I can think of. Of course, our producers, Amanda Inscore, Andrea Melendez in the house. Gentlemen, how the heck are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, how's your, your Halloween as muscle man? Uh, it was good. Uh, my children had a lot of fun. My neighborhood is the perfect size where it takes about an hour to walk and you get a lot of candy, but not so much that it's like overflowing. Shout out to Copper Oaks. Dust, or, I'm sorry, Alex, how about you? How was your Halloween? It was good. Um, you know, enjoyed uh, some very barking dogs because they just, they always bark at everything. So I had you mean to... when they came up, like when people were walking around the neighborhood and stuff? They were barking away. And mm. it, I mean, I just had to kind of tone that down a little bit. Yep. You don't want barking dogs. That's true. So, well, guys, before we get into it, I do have a big announcement for the people, for the fans. This is my final episode of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am leaving the Naples Daily News after 14 years. A wonderful ride, one I really enjoyed. Um, you know, just moving on to different personal things. Follow me online. I'll get into that later once I start whatever it is I'll be doing. But this is my final week. If you see me out at a football game, November 5th, I believe I'll be at the Catfish Bowl. That will be my final game for the Naples Daily News. I'll get into it later. I'll throw out some more thanks. But I want to thank everyone who has listened to us so long. I want to thank Dustin and Alex for jumping on here this year. You guys are going to do great. You're going to pick up the mantle. And, of course, Andrew Melendez, especially, our producer from the start. Amanda Inscore's hopped in the past couple years, and they've been phenomenal producers. So, guys, I appreciate it, and I will miss you. Yeah, uh, we will miss you as well. But how fitting uh, you get, you know, the catfish bowl in your final game. Call your county's best rivalry. Well, the past few years, it's been a wild game. I remember two years ago, a big comeback. So I, I told uh, Coach Todd Nichols, I hope the score's in the 50s. I mean, that's, I always hope for a huge shootout. So um, talking about football, let's get into it. Let's talk about week 10. We, of course, now are in week 11, the final week of the regular season. But let's talk about week 10 first, the final week of district play. However, all the district titles were wrapped up. That doesn't mean teams weren't trying to improve their football, I'm sorry, their playoff positioning. Dustin, let's talk with you about a team that thinks they're in the playoffs, but we don't think they are. North Fort Myers comes in. They beat Fort Myers 32-27. to Was this at Fort Myers or at North this Fort Myers? This was at Fort Myers. And I told you in last week's picks, I said North Fort Myers just likes to gunk things up. They like to beat their rivals and screw up. You know, Fort Myers was pushing for a four seed, a five seed, in, I'm sorry, a five or a six seed in the playoffs. But now North Fort Myers is in the conversation. Tell me about this game. Was it as entertaining as it sounded? It was crazy good. And uh, credit to North. They, this was their best performance of the season. Just putting it all together, all three phases, Offense, uh, Bo Somerset rushing for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Defense coming up with three turnovers. Special teams, Brandon Bush went four for four and a 51-yarder. Shout out to Brandon yeah. Bush and his parents. They like to <laughs> like to send us emails. We appreciate it. It was a really, really um, a, a great game by their part. Fort Myers, they they couldn't stop the run. They they couldn't run the ball. These are our staples of Fort Myers, and they just couldn't get it done here. Yeah, really strong from North and uh, definitely gunk things up for Fort Myers, but uh, Fort Myers will get a chance with Sebring coming uh, to still have a chance uh, in the postseason. 
I'm really intrigued by Fort Myers, and we'll get into the playoff implications later. We'll have a whole segment on you know who's going for the playoffs and what they need to do, but this definitely hurts Fort Myers. They could fall out of the top eight. What were they like after the game? I mean, how was Coach uh, Sirianni? Was he pretty disappointed? Was he optimistic? Yeah, you know, definitely disappointed, but very clear-minded about how they lost that game. And, you know, something I noticed in the game and something he said right away was a field position battle. And, you know, when you are pinned deep, kicking close to your end zone, and they get it back midfield and they have a kicker like Brandon Bush, yep. that makes it tough. He put 12 points on the board for, for the Red Knights. And the other thing was uh, their inability to stop the run. Fort Myers really made a go of it, keeping it to a one-score game in the second half. But North got the ball back with about four minutes to go, and they kept it the rest of the way. Credit to Tanner Heldon for uh, managing the clock very well at the end and Dwayne Mack. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I think they know what they need to fix going into the Sebring game, but it's a matter of whether they can execute. They did this all without their leading rusher. Exactly. You know, and- Andre Devine um, was in Morgantown, West Virginia, with his father, who got inducted into the West Virginia Hall of Fame this past weekend. Dustin will have a story coming up on that, but I think that that was impressive in and of itself. Um, you know, that was a team that was down probably their arguably their most explosive and most electric playmaker. Um, you know. You had to have a feeling that you know Fort Myers was possibly preparing for for uh, Andre Devine, and to, you know to see him not on the field. I imagine that was you know the Fort Myers team thought that you know they might have an advantage coming in, but sure enough, that wasn't the case. I will say though, uh, Brandon Bush, you know, nailing four field goals. Would have loved to have him on my fantasy football team <laughs> last night. If you saw me live tweeting, super stressed out about Harrison Butker um, only having two points uh, through three quarters of play. Um, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a close one, but you know, props to him. You know, nailing fifty-one yarders is—he's probably the only one in the area that can do it right now. Um, you know, we've had some kickers in the past that have been capable, but you know, he's he's got the uh, he's got the biggest leg of anybody, I think, in Southwest Florida. Well, North Fort Myers is that team we've talked about all year, and even in our midseason reports, we kind of said they were one of. We didn't use the word disappointment, but they were disappointing a little bit. They they finally have a winning record. They were below five hundred or at five hundred until this win. But let's give him some credit. Three of those uh, four losses were by six points or less. So North Fort Myers, we knew they had the talent. They put it together, but is it too late? We'll talk about that in the next segment. A game I was at, the, the biggest win in Collier County, First Baptist, just hangs 57, a 50-burger on community school. 57-28 to 28 for First Baptist. And my goodness, guys, this was my first chance at looking at the Lions, and I was highly impressed. They definitely have tons of talent. Quarterback Ty Keller. Receiver Olsen Henry, running back slash receiver Rich Mellian, all guys that could go Division One, But they did this with a backup quarterback, and it was just a, a coaching decision. It wasn't that one guy got hurt, but they brought in backup quarterback Ethan Crossan, who's a freshman. He throws for over 200 yards and I believe four touchdowns. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... Olsen Henry, man, Olsen Pat Henry, the seven foot four receiver for First Baptist, man. He just no one could stop him. Like in two A, if you have a fast kid, an athletic kid, like that's that's such an an asset. He just got behind the defense. He hauled in seven catches, pretty good for two hundred and four yards and four touchdowns. It it was bananas. Um, First Baptist did great. CSN was number two in that region in seeding in the RPI. The Lions now um, were number one. So they further, you know, cemented their, their number one standing. So they looked really good. However, FBA is off this week, 
and then they're going to get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So they're off three weeks. I asked Coach Billy Sparacio, is that too much time? He said, no, you know, we're, we're going to practice hard. We practice against each other hard, and we'll enjoy this rest. We'll enjoy the chance to uh, kind of uh, get healthy. So FBA looking really good. Alex, what did, what did you take away from week 10? What was your biggest victory of the, of the, of the ones we haven't mentioned yet? Got to be the, the, the team that just loves fourth-quarter comebacks, Estero. Um, I tweeted about Monday night that you know of their they have six wins on the field um one win was a forfeit win against gateway charter so they have seven but of their six wins on the field four have been fourth quarter comebacks and you know darren nelson sent me an email this morning and pretty much said uh you know well we did it again Uh, (laughs) it just seems like that's the uh the storyline with the wildcats you know they just keep pulling these you know just miraculous comebacks off and you know credit the good coaching decision you know they decided to go onside kick after the score and you know darren nelson said hey if they get the ball you know with about four i think it was four and change or three and change left in the game if they get the ball just let them score and then you know we'll go into our you know two minute offense or four minute offense and try you know just trek down the field but you know they they deserve a lot of credit this is a team that you know even back when i was in high school uh probably seven eight years now they've just kind of been a disappointment you know, they haven't really been able to put a lot together, but now it seems like, uh, you know, Darren Nelson's building a culture there and building a foundation um, that seems to, you know, possibly be long-lasting. I think, you know, possibly we see Estero, you know, putting six, seven, eight wins up every year now. Well, Estero's that team we talk about that, you know, this is their first district title in 20 years. Things have changed a lot in those 20 years. Dunbar High School opened in 04, 05, something like that, taking a lot of kids away. And then um, South. South Fort Myers opens a few years after that. And that's a huge base mm-hmm. of what Estero was the only ca- uh, only high school in South Lee County, oh, you yeah. know, in a 20-mile radius, whatever it was. So they had every kid going there. They had a huge population. Now you got Bonita Springs drawing a few kids from the South, um, further cutting into Estero. But I think they've kind of found their niche now in 5A. They're not going to be able to compete with the Dunbars, North Fort Myers. But if they can stick in that 5A... I know they have no control over that, whether how many kids they have. Yeah, it's, it's been tough on them, so really good to see them get a victory, a one-point victory, of course. Let's give some love to Laley, which is a team we'll talk about in the next segment, who could possibly kind of sneak their way into the playoffs as well. They outlast their uh, rival, Baron Collier, 21-14, to with a huge goal line stand with, what, about 30 seconds to go. I believe we may have picked Baron Collier. I mean, were you surprised by this, Alex? I, I kind of was. I, I expected... The Cougars, especially on that um, that play inside the five yard line, to be able to punch it in. Yeah, it was from like um, the one or yeah, something. It was, the last play. It, it was from the one. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't necessarily agree with the play call that I saw. Um, you know, it was, it was a run. But, but Mark Jackson on blast. <laughs> our our it, best friend, Mark Jackson. It, it, it was a run to the right. Um, I would have possibly tried a little bit of a wrinkle there and maybe do a little bit of a trick play. You know, the well, you lay- got the best quarterback in Southwest Florida. You know, I mean, I, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in Collier County, and uh, what's his name? He's so good, I forgot his name. Dylan, Dylan McNamara, D-Mac, baby. Yes. There you go. But he wasn't having a great game, I guess, and that's credit to Laley's defense. Yeah. Like, Laley has a really good defense. The, the question we've asked all season is, can they score three touchdowns? I mean, that's if, if you got a defense as good as Laley, if you can score 20 points, uh, if you're the, the Trojans, then, yeah, you're going to get it done. Exactly, and you know that they needed the Trojans needed that. You know they're kind of out of the playoff picture now. Um, assuming they lose to, you know, Champagnat Catholic, and um, you know the, the, this week, um, you know it's good to see them get a you know a rivalry win over Barron. Snaps Barron's solid road performance. 
Awesome. Awesome. Dustin, anything else stand out from week 10 before we talk playoffs in the next segment? Well, how about ECS staying hot? Oh, yes. We got to uh, mention ECS. <laughs> ECS and Astero are my two new favorite teams. Yeah. I'm a huge bandwagon guy, by the way. I'm going to jump on any bandwagon I can. I'm going to take all that glory. So Astero and ECS, I'm riding with you. So the Sentinels had a 47-14 win over SFCA this week. Uh, Miles Graham, 13 carries for 210 yards. So they're a team that are getting hot, and they're setting up this huge battle against CSN this week. So that's going to be a fun one to, to watch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and some other teams won. You get it. You know, if you guys <laughs> if you guys want to know who else won, go to uh, NaplesNews.com slash sports or news-press.com slash sports. But we do want to cut this early segment short because we got a lot of playoff games to talk about. So come on back on the side of this break. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, news-press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome, everyone, back into our Week 11 preview. Now, I've said it many times on the podcast, Week 11 matters, and it's so much fun. Up until five years ago, when just the district champ and the district runner-up got into the playoffs, Week 11 did not mean a single dang thing. Not a dang thing. It was boring. It was dumb. It was stupid. I did not like it. But now, these Week 11 games, we have a handful of teams that need to either win to get in or they need to uh, improve their playoff seeding because the FHSAA uses an RPI formula to determine who gets at-large bids as well as seeding within the region, and those include every single game you play, including these Week 11 games. So, we have 17 games on the docket. I count at least eight that uh, will affect the playoffs coming up. And let me just throw it out there, uh, you know, the, the generic question first. Dustin, I'll ask you, what game are you most excited about or what do you think is most important for the playoffs? I'll let you lead it off, whatever you want to say. I'm not sure if it has any playoff implications just because, <laughs> sorry. Did you not understand the assignment, Dustin? I understood Did you not the assignment, hear what I just but the you? game I'm most excited for is Lehigh Dunbar. Well, it does. No, for yeah. sure it does because we're talking about playoff seeding. Yeah. These are okay. two teams that are already in. They've already won district championships. Dunbar is playing for the number one seed. We think even if they lose, they still may get the number one. And Lehigh, um, they're playing for a higher seed as well. We think they're number two in the RPI. And first off, timeout. I do have to say that we were recording this on a Tuesday morning before the most recent uh, FHSAA RPI standings come out. So if you're listening to this on a Wednesday afternoon, you probably already know, but we're going off Week 10's RPIs. But yes, Dustin, so this is playoff seeding. I mean... What's this game going to be like? Crazy. I mean, Dunbar is, is obviously going for a perfect regular season. Lehigh was close to having a, a perfect regular season. If Island Coast didn't have that shutdown, maybe they'd be undefeated too. It's going to be at home for Lehigh. It's going to be really exciting. That's definitely one to look forward to. Alex, you're my Dunbar historian this season. Have they gone undefeated in recent memory? I'm trying to look up that 08 team that started really good. It, to put it in you know kids' terms these days, it, it's been a minute uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, the Dunbar undefeated regular season, it's it's been quite a while for them. So uh, we, we've quoted know. that 08 team. They started nine and zero and lost in the final week of the regular regular season. The Plantation American Heritage. So a very quality loss. That was a very, very good team. I mentioned and lost by two points. That's very good. And then they should have beaten Naples at Naples there. Alex, what about you? Playoff implications. Tell us what we need to be watching. Which game uh, do we need to, to keep an eye on for these local teams trying to crack the playoffs? I think the main one of you know of the teams that 
I feel like are trying to hold on. Uh, I think it's Fort Myers and yep. Sebring. This is a huge matchup. Sebring doesn't have really much to play for because they've already clinched a district championship with a dominant win over Port Charlotte last week. This is it. You know, this is showtime for Fort Myers. This is a must-win game. Sam Siriani knows that. They're going up against a very quality Sebring team that has played a pretty uh, challenging schedule. Just have to get these guys in the right mindset. I think if we see a Fort Myers loss and maybe some wins on the other side of the coast, maybe uh, we see a little bit of a shakeup in these um, you know, these bottom few seeds, these at-large bids uh, this upcoming Sunday, which uh, which is when the RPI, the final RPIs will be released. Yeah, coming into the Week 10 RPI standings, Fort Myers would have been the number six seed. They lost last week, as we talked about, and some teams behind them won, uh, including Charlotte, who if Charlotte wins, do we decide if Charlotte has a game this week? Do yeah, they do. Uh, they're playing a oh, Riverview, Riverview, right? Yeah, yes. That's a tough one, though, so that they're probably going to lose that. Either way, a lot of moving parts. Fort Myers, if they lose, I'm going to say they're out, so this is very important. And tell me, do you know yet about Sebring? Have you, have you done your pregame research on that? Do we know how good they are? Very good team. Six and three, I believe. Yeah, and five A. Yes. Yeah, four game win streak right now for them. You know, uh, you know they're humming right now, doing a really good job. They played, you know, Clearwater Central Catholic. They played River, Sarasota Riverview very tight. The, you know, they had a string of three losses, but all three were quality losses. They opened the season with a a win over Centennial out of Port St. Lucie. See, brings a very talented team, and they could possibly deny Fort Myers of getting into the playoffs, which. I don't know when the last. I don't know the last it's, time that happened. I as have the to kids go back say, it's been a minute. So let's stay in six A region four because that is our most uh, populous region when it comes to local teams. Two teams that won last week and were on the cusp of the top eight that need to win again to get in, and they're playing really, really good opponents. Laley, who was number twelve last week, they won to jump up a few spots in the rankings. North Fort Myers, who was number thirteen last week, they won to jump up a few spots in the rankings. Laley hosting defending state champion Champagnat Catholic, North Fort Myers at the number one team in 8A, the largest classification, Venice. Gentlemen, I'll throw it out there. Either of these teams have a shot to make the playoffs. Over at North, uh, they, they certainly believe that they have a chance. They, they believe that because of the strength of schedule right. that Venice provides being at the top, it's really going to boost their RPI. But that said, on the field, it's a little different. Don't know how much they have a shot there. They're certainly confident that the win over Fort Myers and you know the, the opponent that they're about to face this week gives them a chance. So things are pretty tight when it comes to the, the uh, percentage point. Fort Myers, I should have said, had a pretty large lead at number six over the number seven seed when it comes to the, the percentage points and the RPI. But then when you get from seven all the way down to 13 with North Fort Myers, it's clustered pretty tightly. I'm going to say if either one of these teams wins, they're going to get in. That's my bold prediction. Alex, what do you think? The one thing that kind of might uh, block the North Fort Myers and you know some of the other teams look on the outside looking in, like um, you know Laley as well, is these uh, these South Florida teams. Um, Plantation, who I made a very bold prediction about last week, saying that they would get blown out. They had played a relatively weak schedule coming in. Uh, they hung with Dillard, a team that nearly beat St. Thomas Aquinas at home if it wasn't mm. for a blocked field goal that you know turned into a touchdown the other way. Aquinas won by about, I think, 10 or 9 in that game. But um, Plantation's opponent win percentage without question is going to go up this week from 
three, five, seven. I think they're in decent shape to possibly make the playoffs. Um, you know, Charlotte with their their win, I think I think they've done enough. I think they're gonna probably hang on by a thread, possibly as an eight seed. It's looking like they'll get a rematch with Dunbar, if I had to guess. But it, the bigger question is. You know, it all it all comes down to Fort Myers. How far do yep. they drop? And the one thing we haven't seen this season, you haven't seen a bun- a lot of drastic movement. Um, right. You know, we see North. They're you know they're talking about how they think they're going to get in. They're thirteenth right now in the region, jumping up five spots in two weeks after going likely to go one and one. I, I just don't see it. You'd have to see the teams in front of them lose. While we're in six A four, let's just clean it up. South Fort Myers hanging on to the what would be the fifth seed right now. They had a big win last week, so I think they're probably going to get it. They do host Riverdale, a game they should win. If they win that, they probably get the five seed, and they are probably going to what Coconut Creek would be the uh, champion of that uh, District 15 across the state. And then uh, two other local teams that were kind of in the mix. They were in that top 14. Baron Collier, Golden Gate, they lost last week eliminating them from playoff contention. So let's go to the uh, smaller classes. Bishop Vero at Clearwater Central Catholic. Top five teams, at least Clearwater Central Catholic is. In the rankings, I'm talking about just the media poll, and then these are the number two and three teams in the same region. So they could see each other in a few weeks in the playoffs. They're playing for that number two seed in the region, which of course means a bye. Alex, again, you're my, my Bishop Vero guy. When I have questions about Bishop Vero, do you think they can uh, hang on? Because they're very close with that 2-3 spread in uh, Class 3A Region 3. Of course, Berkeley Prep, the number one seed by a pretty good margin. So can the Vikings get the number two seed and a bye on the road? It's a long way. Obviously, they got to win. Uh, that, that's number one. Um, number two, I coming off a bye, you know, it, it makes you wonder how this team's going to fare. You know, Clearwater Central Catholic has played a very tough schedule, as has Bishop Vero. Their opponent win percentages – Vero is at 0.743, and Clearwater Central Catholic is at 0.741. Vero has a larger edge on the opponent win percentage as of this past week. So if you're listening to this after, these numbers are likely going to change. But Vero with a 0.534 opponent-opponent win percentage, while CCC has a 0.493 win percentage. Um, I think home field advantage is going to matter here. Um, You know, on paper, I think... Vero's going to go up to CCC two times in three weeks. I think they're going to see them again on the road. It's hard for me to trust a freshman quarterback uh, who has done a very good job this season. All in all, you know, despite the circumstances, only one pick against a very challenging schedule seems to be making good decisions. You know, not th- making errant throws or anything like that. But right now, I just I think CCC is you know they've had Vero's number for a little while, and I, I think that continues. Although I think it is a little bit closer than what people will think well it's it's not a do or die for the vikings if they lose they're probably still going to get the number three seed which means they would host in the first round next week looking like the sixth seed which uh, was cardinal mooney who i believe bishop rose already beaten is that right they yeah. beat them yes they did and they beat him at home so it's another one oh, of those there you go it's another one of those uh situations where you know you could see a team twice in a season um miami northwestern miami central had that situation it looks like naples is going to have the two seed in 6a4 after a 49-6 to six loss for Northwestern. Kind of stunned by that outcome when I, yeah. as, as I saw it come across the wire uh, last Thursday. So let's go to our final region, Class 2A Region 3, another one populated with all our uh, Southwest Florida private schools. First Baptist with the big win last week. They're going to hang on to that number one. Their regular season is concluded. 
it's going to be interesting when we see these uh, RPIs because Community School lost, and they were only .06 points ahead of Northside Christian for that two seed. St. John Newman lost, who was at six. Evangelical Christian wins. They're probably going to jump up into the playoffs, and they get to host CSN so they can further solidify. They might even be able to jump up to the four seed and host a playoff game. Dustin, that sounds bananas to me. ECS hosting a playoff game after starting, what, 0-4 or 1-4, whatever it was. But they have to beat CSN to do it. Is that a possibility? It's pretty incredible that they're even in this position. And CSN starting 6-0, and now they're 6-2. and So it's two teams in two very different places right now. But CSN, obviously, with uh, Chase Atterbury at quarterback, that they hung with the FBA for, for a little while last week. But ECS is really finding its identity. Miles Graham, obviously, doing uh, terrific things on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense is what really stepped up, especially in the red zone against SFC last week. So it's going to be an interesting clash, especially with so much on the line. And this this region is so much up in the air because, let's say, ECS loses, even though they're in the top six right now. Right behind them is St. John Newman and SFCA, who both lost last week to fall behind ECS. But Newman is at Immokalee, even though Immokalee is down this year. That's still a very tough game. Newman's never played out there, as far as I know. And, hey, shout-out to uh, Damon Jones, who got his start out at Immokalee as an assistant back in the Edron James days. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. And then uh, SFCA is hosting Indian Rocks Christian, another region team, but they have a losing record, Indian Rocks Christian does. So you figure SFCA can win that one. Stay tuned. Next Sunday, all these will be released on our website, so uh, we'll see all the playoff brackets then. But stay tuned, because first, we're going to pick winners of these games in Week 11 when we come back from this break. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week... Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Go. And welcome back into the pick segment. It is my final pick segment, guys. Let's all shed a tear, grab a Kleenex, but I have to go 10-0. Actually, I believe I'm 6,000 games behind Dustin, so I need to go 6,000-0. In my final pick segment. Actually, we're going to do this. Every pick I make, because it's my last one, I'm the host and I make the rules, I get double points. Uh, Maybe I get triple points. So, Dustin will tell you how I did next week. So, got 10 games to pick. 10 games we think should be uh, pretty entertaining. It'll be a fun week 11. Let's start with Ida Baker at Island Coast, a showdown of Cape Coral squads. We actually have two Cape Coral showdowns. We'll get to the next one later. Uh, Does this one have any kind of name or rivalry, Alex? Either one of you guys know? I don't know if it's uh, you know similar to the college, but you can call it like uh, Southwest Florida's uh, biggest cocktail party, perhaps. It's the Bulldogs and the Gators. Oh, uh, nice. That's cool. Um, I don't know if that's a thing or not. They should go play this in Jacksonville. All right, next year it's in Jacksonville. Well, while you're already talking, Alex, tell me who you got in this game. Um, Island Coast has been playing some really good football. It seems like you know it's too a little too late for them in terms of playoffs, but it, you know they're putting it together. I like Island Coast at home here. I think Ida Baker nice. is uh, just one of those years where you know they're going to get some of their guys back for this final regular season game. But uh, I got the Gators in this one. What say you, Dustin? Well, Coach Hicks called this a pride game. Island Coast is definitely a team that is getting better at the end of the season. Baker, uh, some tough losses, but those have been against some tricky opponents. I like Baker to kind of have a performance, put it all together at the end of the year. I agree. I'm taking Baker as well. Shout out to the Malpica family, some of our biggest fans and listeners 
And my final show, what up, Papa Malpica? I'm taking Baker. Let's go to that other Cape Coral uh, showdown. I believe it's a black and blue bowl, something like that. Yes. Is, is that correct? All right. Cape Coral at Mariner. Dustin, how excited are you for the black and blue bowl? I am over the moon excited. I knew you would be. <laughs> I think I'm going to take Cape Coral. I like what they're building there, even though you know the scores haven't always showed it. They're in a tough 6A class. But yeah, I like them to get the win on the road. Stopping the run here will be an issue for Mariner. Cape's got multiple guys that can beat you. Going to take Cape as well. Seahawks are going to get it done and you know just grab a win to close the year in the first year of the Barry Bowman era. Hey, Mariner last week, they put up 21 points on Cypress Lake. And the week before that, they lost by 13, and they beat LaBelle, so not great. Um, I'm taking Mariner just because I like to take Mariner. I don't know why. I think I like their color scheme. I definitely like their color scheme better than the Cape Coral Seahawks. No disrespect, Seahawks, uh, but I don't like your colors, <laughs> so disrespect. But I'm taking Mariner. Let's go to Newman Adamokley. This is fun. I think this might be the first ever matchup uh, of these teams. Small school going out to Immokalee. This is going to be a really big game for those kids, uh, those Celtics. You've probably never seen a, an, an, a, a football-crazed stadium like that before. In Immokalee, we know how crazy it gets out there. Immokalee's last chance, you know, they've won two games this year, which is impressive considering they had to uh, kind of pull out of the FHSAA earlier this year for, for lack of players. I'll go first. I mean, I'm taking Immokalee. It's, it's just too hard to beat Immokalee, even though they're not as loaded as they have been. But – they just got more speed, I guess, than Newman. So I'm going to take Immokalee. How about you, Dustin? I think I'm going to take Newman. Nice. Well, let's keep things spicy. Uh, you know, I, I like Dawson Jones and company and, and what they've been doing this year. So, yeah, let's go for it. Got to gotta default to Newman. Um, you know, they've they've managed to win five games this year. They know they're on the outside looking in. They know they need this game to stay in the playoffs. I think Damon Jones is going to just – mash that in their heads or just make sure they know that because um you know the expectations at newman are playoffs uh, i'm gonna take the celtics nice if, if the celtics can win this would be on par with when first baptist beat uh, palmetto ridge earlier this year and i think it'd be even bigger because you know it's such a small school and the former state champion so riverdale at south fort myers we think south fort myers is in the playoffs but they want to hang on to that uh, number four five seed and then play the four seed in the playoffs um, any chance Riverdale hangs with them, Alex? It, it really depends because I feel like South Fort Myers is a firm grip on that five seed. Right. Um, we're going to talk about Sebring Fort Myers next, but it could be an instance where maybe you, you sit a guy or two. Or you, you give them limited snaps, put them on a snap count. But regardless of that, I think you know South is just too much. They have a very talented freshman class that Willis May was talking about uh, with me that I included in my roundup story that you can go to newspress.com for. Nathan Castor and Duncan Smith, I think they're a little too much for the Raiders. I don't see Riverdale you know, playing spoiler in this instance. Yeah, I think Willis May will have South focus because if they lose, they could slip into 6th or 7th seed, and that means they have to go to Miami Northwestern or go to Naples for the first-round playoff game. They don't want any part of that. Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, Riverdale's got some players that can make uh, life difficult for South. Uh, so Jaheim... you're taking Riverdale. All right, moving on. <laughs> Jaheim Clark is having an excellent season for the Raiders, but uh, South is just too well-rounded. <laughs> so going with them. So let's stay in Lee County. Again, we, we broke down earlier. Fort Myers needs to win. They are at home. Sebring has wrapped up a district title. Uh, of course, they're, they're playing for seeding. Dustin, man, does Fort Myers take care of business, and do they make the playoffs? I mean, there are some definite red flags for the green wave. That last game, not being able to stop the run, not being able to run the ball, those are really, really crucial flaws. But 
I like Sam Sirianni to get that fixed, uh, especially with so much on the line and Sebring having things wrapped up in their district. I'm in similar territory looking at the RPI this week. It's a tall order for Sebring to jump into the two. Um, while they have a very firm grip on the three spot, um, you know, the four seed is way back, uh, you know, with an RPI of 0.432. Um, makes you wonder. The four seed in that region has an RPI of 432? Well, district champion. So Still, though, that's not good for a district champ. That must be a not very good district. And, you know, so they have a RPI of 0.432. Sebring has an RPI of 0.560. The district champ ahead of them, uh, Clearwood. Yeah, Clearwater has an RPI of 0.633, so it seems like there's a pretty sizable gap between two and four. Um, I think that's going to lead Sebring to possibly uh, rest some guys because they know they pretty much locked themselves into a three seed. I think Fort Myers will take advantage of the Blue Streaks potentially playing some second team guys. Um, so I'm going to take the Greenies at home. I also will take Fort Myers for all the reasons mentioned. Hey, before we move on, I forgot to add that Dustin and Adam went eight and two last week. Alex Martin went seven and three, so Dustin goes back up five games over Alex with only a couple weeks left. Alex had gotten within four. Then, as I said, Adam is not very good. I am twelve games back of Senior Dustin. So moving on, Bishop Row at Clearwater Central Catholic, the battle for the two seed in Region Three A Three. Alex, what you got? CCC. You know, we kind of talked about it in the last segment. Being at home here is going to help. I think. You know, despite the uh, the playoff result from uh, two years ago, Vero was driving. If they would have scored on that fourth down play, Jacob Azizi threw it behind Malik Curtis. Um, they would have gone for two and the win. You know a lot of the Vero guys probably remember that game, uh, especially these seniors, but I do not think they'll get it done Friday night. I think, you know, they have a better chance at redemption two weeks from now. I'm going to take CCC at home here. Dustin? I think this could be a real shootout. Bishop Rowe obviously has Carter Smith, Chris Graves on offense. CCC has some great players as well. Lenwood Sapp is a thousand yard rusher. Bryson Martin at quarterback. Nate Johnson. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to, uh, what are they? Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> what are they called <laughs> yeah. here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give Pretty them much. the edge. They, they beat uh, Trinity Catholic, who beat Bishop Rowe. So, transitive property, you know. I'm going to take Bishop Rowe, because why not? I don't care. It's my last time. Um, I think they got, might have the best athlete on the field in Chris Graves, and that, that always means something, especially in these smaller classifications. So Vikings, I gotcha. Community school at ECS. I want to start this off by saying we didn't get to talk about community school very much when we talked about that First Baptist community school game. They looked pretty good. I mean, this is the most points they've ever scored against First Baptist. Their defense did not look great. <laughs> They're secondary. But they had big touchdown runs. They finished with over 300 yards of offense. Matthew Wiley is a re- legit, really good running back. So even though they lost by 29 points, I mean, it, it wasn't a running clock. I guess that's good. But I did like CSN. It was my first time uh, seeing them this year. So I think they're pretty good. They're at ECS, and man, I told you I'm on the ECS bandwagon, but I think I got to take CSN in this one. Uh, just, I don't know. I think it's going to be really good, but I'm picking the call your team. So, Alex. Like, clearly, ECS is the hotter team. CSN has faltered in their past two weeks, you know, with that loss to Bayshore uh, on a Thursday night and then having, and, you know, an extra day to prepare for FBA. Didn't matter. ECS is just playing really good football. Mm-hmm. They put up 47 against SFCA. Uh, you know, CSN's kind of on the down right now, but doesn't mean they can't climb back out of the hole. I think CSN will 
get the win at ECS on the road. Will be a hostile environment, though, for those Sentinels. The, I think they call it the red zone for the student section. But I'm going to take CSN. Just knowing Paul Salvideo is a good coach, Eugene Chung, who can get these guys in the right mindset for sure. Dustin? I'm also going to take the Seahawks. I don't oh, feel man. great about picking against ECS's obvious momentum but uh you know the the six and no start you know it it makes you think you know they just had a few bad weeks they'll bounce back yeah we'll see just do it (laughs) just put just pick ecs no pick them no all right so we're all all on csn unfortunately because i do think it is going to be a good game so the next two games we're going to talk about are two collier county rivalry games that do not have playoff implications all four of these teams are pretty much far out of the playoffs but i think that makes them even more exciting with nothing to play for but pride and the uh, desire to smash each other's heads in. First, the battle for the gate. Palmetto Ridge at Golden Gate. Two teams in the eastern part of Collier County, the Golden Gate area. Golden Gate High School in the south, Palmetto Ridge in the north. Always an exciting game. Alex, tell me about this. Who are you thinking? Jaden Booker. Exactly. Jaden Booker. Golden Gate has had a really tough time in the past three games stopping the run entering uh friday night they've allowed in the past two games they've allowed three 100 yard rushers i think baron had a pair against them i expect similar same story to happen tonight. i think you know they're going to allow another 100 yard rusher perhaps a back-to-back 200 yard rushers in this one nathan caster by my numbers ran for 201 last week and eclipsed the thousand yard mark hosea booker had a really good bounce back game though um you know yeah, they threw the that ball was, well that was big for you know him and his confidence um you know this as a sophomore um, you know, in the season, you know, having four touchdown passes thrown for 180 shows you that Palmetto Ridge isn't just all about Jaden Booker, but, um, you know, I think he seizes the spotlight here. Uh, Palmetto Ridge big. Dustin, how about you? Yeah. As Alex said, you know, Golden Gate giving up 200 yards on the ground last week, Jaden Booker, uh, might go for 400. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to go against them here. So I, I like the bears. So Jaden Booker update, we haven't mentioned him because, you know, Palmetto Ridge kind of fell off um, and they got knocked out of the uh, the playoff race. We kind of stopped talking too much about him. But Jaden Booker up to 1,462 yards. He did miss a game this year. So that's in eight games. So doing very well. If he can get, uh, what, 5, or 538 yards, he will get that mythical 2,000-yard mark. Don't think he's going to do it, but I do think they get the win. Bears win. The Catfish Bowl, Baron Collier at Gulf Coast. Two teams coming off losses, two teams that, um, I don't want to say they don't like each other, but definitely a big rivalry since uh, Gulf Coast opened up in 1998 and took half of Baron Collier's student body. I will be at this game. I haven't put a ton of thought into it yet, so I'm going to let you guys talk before I make my decision. Dustin, I know um, you're really excited about this one too, so tell yeah, me about it. of course. Uh, this one, I, I was you know doing a little research going back and forth. Baron Collier got the win last year, uh, but the, it just seems with the way both their seasons have gone, it's, you know, they're both kind of similarly, you know, have those good weeks, some not so good weeks. Uh, this is tough, but I'm, I'm going to go with the home team. So let's go Gulf Coast. Yeah, my hand's forced here. Uh, I can't go down six games, but also I think Gulf Coast has played a much tougher schedule. You know, that 8A, um, that yeah, 8A sure. district is flat out loaded um, with Riverview, with Venice, um, you know, that three and six mark is a little deceiving, um, yeah, but Connor Barrett's got to have a good game. You know, he's, I think he has 29 or 30 touchdowns and 31 picks for his high school career. Um, but it seems like he, he always, uh, seems to find a way to rise up in these catfish bowl games. Um, at home, the sharks are going to be, you know, they're going to be showing out. They're going to have their tailgate as always. Um, I'm going to take the sharks at home. 
I'm taking Baron Collier for the only reason that I don't want Mark Jackson to rip my head off when I see him on the sidelines. All joking, of course. I say it every time, but Mark Jackson is just a surly dude to us, but I like him. I think he's a, a good guy. Shout out to Todd Nichols, too, a coach I've worked with a, a good amount. Here, uh, my last game that I am covering for the Naples Daily News, I will take Baron Collier. Game of the week, a battle of district champions. Two teams combined have just one loss. Dunbar at Lehigh. Game of the week, Dustin, the D-Train, Levy, you will be there. Tell me about this. You will not be there, so I don't want to talk to you. Alex, where are you? <laughs> Tell me about this. Yeah, um, it's going to be – it's a really – you know, passionate game, both schools. You know, it's not a, necessarily a rivalry. A lot of these kids know each other. A lot of these kids played uh, Pop Warner together. Does this have a name? I forget. I, I can never keep track of the Lee County name games. Uh, no, it does not. This is, what's, the, what's the Ring Your Bell game? That's the Riverdale? Yeah, Riverdale and, okay. and, yeah, Riverdale and How Lehigh. does Andrea know this? And I don't know this. <laughs> um, but it's one of those games, uh, arguably, in my opinion, the two best teams in Lee County. Um, two, yeah. The two best defenses in Lee County. Um, in terms of points allowed, Dunbar has surrendered 93, and Lehigh has surrendered 75, my photographic memory getting to me there. Um, but, you know, I had a chance to talk with James Chaney uh, on Monday, and he, you know, really stressed the importance of winning the line of scrimmage, uh, especially in these passionate rivalry games. Take a listen. It's going to be fireworks, man. You know, I think um, the team who makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win team that can limit big plays you know from their opponent can, is gonna win we, we have so much respect for Dunbar High School I grew up in the Dunbar community I know a lot of those players and their families and um, I think I, I really think that it's gonna be a huge game for the young kids in the community to have something to look forward to and um, and, and I hope it becomes like a end-of-the-year showcase game you know that sticks around long after I'm gone all right, so so who are you picking then after hearing what uh, Coach Janey had to say? The, the Lehigh defense has been full, just lights out. Um, the past five games, um, they haven't allowed any first-half points. I imagine that would have been the same story with Pahokee had they played last week, but they did not due to inclement weather, and um, you know you couldn't find any officials for Friday. Um, you know, it just, just seems like Dunbar is poised to maybe falter here. Um, obviously they have the numbers and the playmakers and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to take Lehigh at home in an upset. Um, I'm going to take the lightning. I think, uh, you know, although they do have an, uh, a freshman quarterback, I, th- I just think Dunbar is a little too turnover prone. Uh, I think they're going to be, uh, Lehigh's good defense is going to be studying, you know, Dunbar really hard. It seems as if, you know, do a lot of the same stuff. Um, I'm going to take James Chaney's team to enter the playoffs with a with a seven and one record. Wow, Dustin, tell me who you're picking, and tell me, do you think this is going to be high scoring or low scoring? Ooh, that's tough. Um, it's got to be high scoring uh, with with the players on both yep. these teams. Even though you know, I respect both these defenses and what they've done all year. Uh, yeah, this is really tough. I, I think, as Alex pointed out, uh, Lehigh has a, a freshman quarterback, Dorian Mallory. Um, who's done a tremendous job for them this season. We've talked about him. He, he's he's only going to get better. Um, but I think I just have a little more confidence in the quarterback situation at Dunbar with Landon Win- Winterbottom and Davion Palmer, who just went off last week. So I'm taking the Tigers. 
I think I agree with Dustin. Uh, Dunbar, you know, they really want to finish this undefeated season. I think they're probably uh, all around the, the better defense, both two really good defenses. So I also am going to take Dunbar. Did you have something to add, Alex? I only disagree with Dustin on the points. Um, this game has been very low scoring in the previous couple seasons. Outside of last year, it was a, you know, a blowout uh, in favor of Dunbar. But I think the year before, it was 12-7, to 7, or maybe mm-hmm. it was, that was the 2018 season. But I know 2019, uh, Sean, it was only 6 nothing. Um, so a lot of these defenses, you know, they get up for these games. Uh, so we'll we'll see if uh, you know Dunbar can stop Richard Young. He ran for 104 last year, um, in part because of a 68-yard run that he broke off. And um, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see. It's going to be uh, probably the game, best game of the year. I, think. I agree. Either this way, is must-see. either way, it's going to be close. So that'll do it for Week 11. And hey, if you guys are still listening, feel free to turn it off. I did want to say some words at the end of the show here, guys. Thank you, everyone, who's listened to this for four years. I really appreciate it. You know, we started this. Mr. Adam Regan and I and Andrea Melendez was our first producer, um, set us up in the photo studio there at the old news press office. And last year during the pandemic, when we couldn't go to the office, Adam Regan and I filmed it at Andrea's kitchen table. So that was that was very cool. But thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you to everyone that's followed us. Um, everything that we do, you know. My time here at the Naples Daily News, I've really enjoyed it. I still enjoy the job. You know, I just am going somewhere else. Uh, time for me to do something different. I do want to thank my wife, the beautiful Penny Fisher, the editor for the Naples Daily News, because if it weren't for her, I wouldn't even be here. She got a job in Naples. I followed her without a job. But I want to thank Greg Hardwick. He uh, gave me my first job freelancing for the Naples Daily News, turned into a full-time gig 13 years ago. Of course, Ed Reed has been our uh, sports editor the past few years. He's been great for me. I mentioned Adam Regan, Andrea, Amanda Inscore has done a great job, and, of course, Alex and Dustin. I appreciate you guys. You guys are going to kick butt, I'm sure, in the next few weeks, and I will be listening. So best of luck, and I appreciate you. Yeah, right back at you. And, you know, you and your infectious enthusiasm are really going to be missed around here. Thank you. It it indeed will be. Um, You know, it's been great working alongside you for the past, I guess, three years, if you include my time freelancing. Um, You know, have read a lot of your stories back when I was in high school. Um, read a lot of those features. So, you know, I'm really, really happy for you in your next chapter and, you know, wishing you the best and we're going to miss you. And just for perspective, I believe you were probably eight years old when I was uh, hired at the yep. Naples Daily News. That's so correct. that makes me feel old. And on that note, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. We love you. Alex and Dustin, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games.